0: Special affinities appeared to him to exist between the moon and woman: her antiquity and preceding and surviving successive Tellurian generations; her nocturnal predominance; her satellitic dependence; her luminary reflection. Her constancy under all her phases, rising and setting by her appointed times, waxing and waning. The forced invariability of her aspect. Her indeterminate response to inaffirmative interrogation. Her potency over effluent and refluent waters. Her power to enamour, to mortify, to invest with beauty, to render insane, to incite to and aid delinquency—the tranquil inscrutability of her visage, the terribility of her isolated, dominant, implacable, resplendent, splendid, her omens of tempest and of calm The stimulation of her light, her motion, and her presence The admonition of her craters, her arid seas, her silence Her splendor when visible, her attraction when invisible
1: Nobody uses language quite like james joyce her antiquity in proceeding and surviving succeeding tellurian generations her nocturnal predominance her satellitic dependence her luminary reflection her constancy under all her phases rising and setting by her appointed times waxing and waning the forced invariability of her aspect her indeterminate response to inaffirmative interrogation Has anybody talked about the moon quite (laughs) so vividly as james joyce that's some of the text that we're hearing in the piece i opened up the program with by ed bennett the piece is called luminary reflection and it features dermot dunn on accordion and spoken word by thomas bennett who is ed's father and we heard ed bennett on electronics as well this is a piece that came out of a project called ulysses journey by the contemporary music center of ireland Welcome to Relevant Tones, I'm Seth Bosted. You know, I wanted to do a show uh, featuring music inspired by Ulysses because this year is the 100th anniversary of the publication of that landmark novel. And so I was Googling around all the way back in February looking for music inspired by Ulysses and I came across this project by my friends at the Contemporary Music Center and I thought, that's perfect, (laughs) let's feature that. And then instead of trying to do it around the date of publication, let's do it for Bloomsday, which is June 16th. That is the day that the novel takes place. This is the day that Leopold and Molly Bloom have their various and sundry adventures, their flights of linguistic fancy, all of the wonderful things that take place in Ulysses uh, and all the things that that don't take place but are merely described, all the wonderful just usage of language in uh, James Joyce's Ulysses. Well, it's all around Bloom's Day. So on the program today, I'm going to be featuring music that came out of this project, Ulysses Journey by the Contemporary Music Center. And one of the program directors, at the CMC, Linda oshea farron who was uh, one of the curators of this project, was kind enough to talk with me about the evolution of this project, because it had quite a journey itself.
2: We were considering having a Bloomsday in Budapest concert, because of Leopold Bloom's roots in Sambathe outside of Budapest. And... Even though we could have gone to Sambate it's just harder to get to. So we're going to do Bloomsday in Budapest. The Irish embassy to Hungary is based there and they were happy to partner on it. And there's always a lot of celebration on Bloomsday, including a big breakfast, which is common with Bloomsday in sambate And then the ambassador comes into Budapest and sort of celebrates the day there. And we had already linked up with a Hungarian guitarist called Katalín kultai through the Hungarian embassy in Dublin. And Irish soprano Elizabeth Hilliard is, um, you know, has a work by Greg Caffrey for guitar and soprano. And so we basically then put out a call for works. They, we couldn't put out a call for new works because we don't have funding for new commissions. But works hopefully inspired by Ulysses. Got a huge response. Kathleen selected the works she wanted to include in the, this concert. And it was to happen on the 16th of June, 2020. Clearly COVID happened, it didn't come, come to pass. And so what we did was we did an online version. It was very effective. Kathleen read passages from Joyce and it was introducing basically the world to the Hungarian and Irish composers that she was going to feature in her concert. And then we bridged, postponed it to 2021. That didn't happen again because of COVID. And we did other things with the embassy to bridge the gap. But then because it was pushed into 2020, clearly the 100th anniversary of the publication of James Joyce in Paris by American publisher Sylvia Beach. Uh, no, now we had to celebrate the 100th anniversary and make a much bigger project of it. And that's when the films were introduced. So originally the concert was just to be a concert in Budapest. We brought Paris into it because of the public 100th anniversary of the publication of the book. And then we really felt we had to have something maybe of more lasting tribute for this seminal moment in Irish literature. And that's where the films came about, because we as a resource organisation, we don't have funding really for concerts, promotions, tours. So we have to be a bit more nimble. And we commissioned five new works um, for accordion and spoken word. The selection panel chose the composers on the 1st of October, uh, 2021. And by the 2nd of February, 2022, we had to have all films the composers selected, the works composed, the works learned by the performers, recorded, and the films made. It was insane. There was a sixth film by Alton O'Brien, who was at the time one of CMC's emerging composers. And he uh, we, he was married into the the project let's say which was what makes it six films but the other five films are all for uh, accordion performed by Dermot Don and spoken word each composer chose their own spoken word artist for the films because um it was all about the voice they wanted to have we didn't have to want one spoken word artist and that four four months and one day later they were all premiered at the Irish Film Institute and also a co world premiere Simultaneous world premiere in the Centre Culturelle Irlandais in Paris. So there's live elements, there's talk, there's films, there's new compositions through the films, there's existing works through the concert, guitar, soprano. It's quite the journey. And now we are so pleased our Irish embassy in Budapest has recently managed to get us a slot in the Sambathai Festival as well. So it'll be Dublin, Belfast. We always try to include Northern Ireland. CMC is... Uh, Represents the whole island of Ireland. Composers from across the island. So when we were doing the Dublin launch, we also uh, mirrored that in Belfast. Uh, we're going on to Budapest and happily now Saint and ending in Paris. So that's the journey, starting on the 2nd of February, uh, 2022, and ending in Paris on the 18th of June, 2022.
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, the commission was for Saint Bridget's Day and as you know, Saint Bridget's
2: Day um, is also the festival of Imbolc. And so I just started my research around Imbolc and all of the sort of the coming of spring and everything that goes along with that. And in the research, I, f- I found um, this passage tomb in, um, uh, on the hill of Tara, yes, called the Mound of Hostages, is aligned with the sun, so that on the morning of Imbolc, the, the sun floods into this passage chamber. And filling the chamber with light and illuminating all of these beautiful neolithic carvings and I just thought that was incredibly magical and what better instrument to pair it with them, such an atmospheric uh, you know, sort of guitar and the uh, incredible lignity guitar that, that Cotton has devised is just magical it's amazing, so I and thought it would work really well together. Absolutely and Catelyn uh, has already premiered this work but it's so nice that Catelyn can come to- to the north of Ireland, where you're from, and premiering to offset your own community. Absolutely. And we're thrilled that Kathleen could come here and do this as well. And thank you very much. Great thing about Joyce is he's given us, as a nation, an entire international footprint. Sadly, because he was exiled from Ireland, effectively, or self-exiled, but for a reason, um, and therefore, you know, he went to Zurich, Trieste, and um, his book was published in Paris. He has a character from Hungary. He's beloved all over America, and I often, you know, I spent ten years myself in America, Seth, and I often think. Um, Irish writers and poets, whatever we think about our own language having fallen into disuse over the years when the English were here, um, it was a benefit to our writers to be, to be writing in English, although some people might think Joyce's English is very unique <laughs>
1: Um, There was a really funny review of it in, well, the New York York Times review of books um, for the 100th anniversary, so back in uh, February, um, they published a bunch of old reviews from like, you know, the the 60s and 70s, and they were pretty funny because they range all over. There's people just saying that this whole book is one gigantic obscenity, (laughs) you know, and you have to work so hard to get. such an obscene you know product and then there's other people hailing it as a genius of you know, you know work of genius of course I mean it's it's pretty fascinating to see the the, the, the transformation I suppose of something that, that people were so afraid of and, and that they thought was just you know incomprehensible filth and then become now this amazing you know hallmark well,
2: I think that um, you know the phrase you have to be radical, or redundant is, you know, it definitely belongs to Ulysses by James Joyce. He wasn't trying to be redundant. He was trying to be radical or he's trying to be himself and he was radical himself. But um, in terms of how it's now received, that's just because society has moved on. He was ahead of his time. It's not that the book has changed, the words are still identical. Just society has moved on, scholarly lives and entire departments of English and Celtic studies have been devoted to, you know, Joycean scholars who have gone through every word and polished everyone, connected them into things of the day. So it's the jigsaw puzzle aspect of it as well. What was he referring to here and there? And that you can unpack such an amazing tome and the joy you get from connecting the little bits.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that's the fascinating thing I think about the, the, the novel is the, the, the sort of, you know, almost paradox between the use of the language, which is so, for lack of a better term, I mean, you know, freely, although it's not freely, it's, it's completely from another planet sometimes. I mean, it makes, it makes you feel a certain way, which is what's so extraordinary about it. But at the same time, Bloom and Molly, these are very human people. I mean, so that, that's the paradox to me, is, is, it, is this incredible literary use of language merged with people who are very recognizably human.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's about 7000 ways you could approach uh, Ulysses. But from CMC's perspective and Ben's and my talk, it focuses in really on the musicality of the language and the non-functionality of the language. The language isn't really there in all passages to tell the story. It's not actually always a narrative. And in fact, Garth Knox's one, which is about, um, you know, Lotifulvus Lutiful- ebullition, the qualities of water, Uh, It's one of those paragraphs where Joyce just takes one tiny concept called water boiling and the kettle boiling basically in a kitchen and his passages and passages of every faint reference he can get to water in any shape, make or form, frozen, boiling, you know, on surface, below surface and chemical everything. And that is when. The language, I think, is mostly musical rather than to tell a story. But you're correct. The characters in there are almost beyond ordinary. They're so ordinary and so banal or everyday that it's sort of hard to work out how a tome of its intellectual um, prowess could feature such, you know, everyday characters walking around Dublin on, you know, a 16th of June. It's It's a very... Novel concept, and then for the density of the language and the intellectual power of it.
1: We heard a piece there for solo guitar by Anya Malin called "Solus in Bulk," and performed by the wonderful Hungarian guitarist Katalin Koltai. So I'm switching back and forth between the films that were created uh, from commissioned pieces to the pieces that were for guitar, or in, in, one, in a, one case, which we'll hear a little bit later in the program, guitar and voice and i uh, just trying to give you a, a sense of the wide range of pieces that came out of this wonderful project Ulysses Journey by the Contemporary Music Center and of course I'm also interweaving in my conversation with Linda O'Shea Farron who was kind enough to speak with me about this great project. I want to play a piece now by composer Garth Knox. Uh, this is again setting text directly from Ulysses in this case concerning water. Water is hugely important in Ulysses. It shows up all through the book in various and sundry ways, and uh, according to at least one scholarly text that I read, water in Ulysses is associated with exile from home, sanity, and stability towards all that is primitive, irrational, or otherwise disturbing. As protean prime matter, water is animalistic and feminine, connected with sexuality, procreation, and motherhood. So perhaps James Joyce would agree, Uh, but certainly water looms large in uh, Joyce's Ulysses. So let's hear, this is, uh, the filmmaker is Jonathan C. Creasy, of course we're just going to hear the piece, which is by Garth Knox, and we'll hear again Dermot Dunn on accordion. The piece is called Luteofulvis Ebullition, The Qualities of Water.
3: What in water did Bloom, water lover, drawer of water, water carrier, returning to the range, admire? Its universality, its democratic equality and constancy to its nature in seeking its own level, its vastness in the ocean of Mercator's projection. Its unplumbed profundity in the Sundam Trench of the Pacific exceeding 8,000 fathoms. The restlessness of its waves and surface particles, visiting in turn all points of its seaboard. The independence of its units. The variability of states of sea. Its hydrostatic quiescence in calm. Its hydrokinetic turgidity in neap and spring tides. Its subsidence after devastation. Its sterility in the circumpolar ice caps, Arctic and Antarctic. Its climatic and commercial significance. Its preponderance of three to one over the dry land of the globe. Its indisputable hegemony extending in square leagues over all the region below the sub-equatorial tropic of Capricorn. The multi-secular stability of its primeval basin. its Lucio Solves Its capacity to dissolve and hold in solution all soluble substances including millions of tons of the most precious metals. Its slow erosions of peninsulas and islands. Its persistent formation of homothetic islands, peninsulas and downward tending promontories. Its alluvial deposits, its weight and volume and density. Its imperturbability in lagoons and highland towns. its gradation of colours in the torrid and temperate and frigid zones, its vehicular ramifications in continental lake-contained streams and confluent ocean-flowing rivers with their tributaries and transoceanic currents, Gulf Stream, north and south equatorial courses, its violence in sea quakes, water spouts, artesian wells, eruptions, torrents, eddies, freshets, spates, swells, watersheds, water partings, geysers, cataracts, Whirlpools, maelstroms, inundations, deluges, cloudbursts. It's vast, circumterrestrial, a horizontal curve. its secrecy in springs and latent humidity revealed by rhabdomantic or hygrometric instruments and exemplified by the well, by the hole in the wall at Ashtown Gate saturation of air, distillation of dew the simplicity of its composition two constituent parts of hydrogen with one constituent part of oxygen its healing virtues, its buoyancy in the waters of the Dead Sea its persevering penetrativeness in runnels, gullies, inadequate dams, leaks on shipboard. Its properties for cleansing, quenching thirst and fire, nourishing vegetation. Its infallibility as paradigm and paragon. its metamorphoses as vapour, mist, cloud, rain, sleet, snow, hail, its strength in rigid hydrants, its variety of forms in locks and bays and gulfs and bites and guts and lagoons and atolls and archipelagos and sounds and fjords and minches and tidal estuaries and arms of sea, its solidity in glaciers, icebergs, ice flows, its docility in working hydraulic mill wheels, turbines, dynamos, electric power stations, bleachworks, tanneries, scotch mills, its utility in canals, rivers, if navigable, floating and graving docks, its potentiality derivable from harnessed tides or watercourses falling from level to level, its submarine fauna and flora, acoustic, photovol, numerically, if not literally, the inhabitants of the globe, its ubiquity as constituting 90% of the human body, the noxiousness of its effluvia in lacustrine marshes, pestilential fens, faded flower waters, stagnant pools in the waning moon, What concomitant phenomenon took place in the vessel of liquid by the agency of fire? The phenomenon of ebullition.
1: wonderful voiceover is by Barry McGovern, uh, working with composer Garth Knox. This piece is called Luteophobus Ebullition, The Qualities of Water. Incredible language, again, by James Joyce. I can't say it enough. Ulysses is just so much fun. Uh, It might not be fun if you try to read it cover to cover and uh, you know aren't a scholar or aren't, aren't uh, titillated by language but if you open it up and just start reading out loud uh, it's well it's hard not to just love the sound of Ulysses and uh, so I'm featuring this project Ulysses Journey by the Contemporary Music Center and uh, switching back and forth between the aspect of the project that were these films uh, that came out of it and the original concert featuring Hungarian guitarist Katalin Koltai. And uh, I was curious because, you know, we're doing this for Bloomsday and we don't have Bloomsday celebrations in the United States. As we all know, uh, St. Patty's Day has become quite big here, uh, perhaps too big. (laughs) Um, But Bloomsday has never really made it over. So one of the things I asked Linda oshea Farron about was what happens on Bloomsday?
2: Generally, Bloomsday is an awful lot of breakfast. The Bloomsday breakfast around that passage um, is, you know, very big in Dublin. And people dress up, lots of people dress up. They go around dressed as Molly or Leopold or um, James, obviously James Joyce, and um, in costume, period costume. Some people put a huge effort into it. The 16th of June is usually nice weather, unlike St. Patrick's Day when it can be snowing. <laughs> it's also more of a Dublin-based day, it's not a national holiday, it's about our city. Uh, But it is people going around, reciting, singing, uh, breakfast, obviously Sandy Cove and the various areas that feature more specifically in Ulysses, they really go for it as well, because it's also local, you have lots of lunches with, you know, gorgonzola salads and glasses of red wine, and (laughs) there's there's a fair amount of it. That didn't That's grown up, it's kind of an industry that's grown up over the years. And one of our composers, um, I think it's very clever, Dara Kelly, he was involved in this and he calls that the Bloomsdayification. (laughs) So there's a bit of that, but it's fun. People celebrated, we're very proud of him. He was not appreciated in his time. He was definitely considered um, somebody who should, he stopped at the pass and I took an American publisher to publish him That's a moment of pride for us as well, because we love our Irish-American relationship. And um, we celebrate him with gusto.
1: Well, I, for one, will be having a big breakfast on June 16th to celebrate Bloom's Day. Let's go back to the concert now. Uh, This was featuring the guitarist Katalin Koltai uh, from Hungary and also Irish soprano Elizabeth Hilliard. So far, I've only played a solo guitar piece, but let's play a piece now that features both of these great performers. And the piece is called The Private Consciousness of Molly Bloom. It's by composer Greg Caffrey, and it is inspired by the famous soliloquy, or Molly Bloom's soliloquy as it's known. I'm going to jump right into the concert, and we're going to hear Greg Caffrey talking about the piece, and then we'll hear the performance of it
2: inspired to use this particular text or fragments
1: from it at least. Um, the same reason that you know I'm uh but I've been inspired to use any other text is just something that fascinated me. Um,
4: uh, and in particular uh, this text for anyone that's read
1: is uh, you know dependent on how much of a crude you are <laughs> it's it's hilariously funny I think um, and in fact that can be said um you know, uh, for the whole novel, um, uh,
2: you know, it's a novel that's obviously uh, put on a pedestal,
1: especially by uh, Irish people. Um, but um, in fact, there's, it's it's a, it, it's got a, a real kind of lightness to it as well, and there's a lot of authority in the in the novel as well. And that was something that I wanted to kind of focus on as far as this
4: uh, this final monologue is concerned. I think that's something really kind of. Uh, Apex of uh, hilarity, you <laughs> know. Or... It is, and what's wonderful is that this tonight's concert has started with a very
2: joyous theme. The whole theme is, and it's ending with one of the most famous passages in unison. And what I really love about this performance tonight is that you didn't actually compose this for Cataline and Elizabeth. And while it's wonderful to have world premieres, and every performer won. You know, composer to write for them (coughs) also from our perspective in the CNC it's wonderful to have existing works performed by new performers because otherwise it's sort of dependent on that one person from whom it was composed so Elizabeth, I mean you've performed a lot before 40, 40 years obviously, but it is, how do you feel about doing something that somebody else has sung?
5: I I love it actually Um, it kind of means it's not just my responsibility to bring it out into the world I don't know whether anyone here has heard it but I'm certainly getting to share it with you all. But I don't have the only responsibility. So yeah, it's lovely. And I have actually done a work premier by Greg. And right. it, it was around that time, he said, I have this piece for guitar and voice as well. I'd love you to, to sing it at some point. It was not yeah, my voice. as well? Yes, was. Yeah, I wasn't,
0: I wasn't uh, present for the premier. Yeah, the so, premiere was abroad. Was in Salzburg? In Salzburg by totally
2: different performers. And of course, Kathleen, you've been carrying this entire concert on your own so far. So I'm sure it's lovely to be joined on stage. Elizabeth. Yes, absolutely. And absolutely. has also worked by Zoom uh, rehearsals and also in person since she arrived in Ireland with all of the composers and with Elizabeth here and indeed Anselm who's helping out. I think I will hand over the stage now to Elizabeth and Cataline uh, and thank you very much. <laughs>
5: sure or
1: dynamic setting of the famous soliloquy of molly bloom one of the most famous parts of james joyce's ulysses the piece is called the private consciousness of molly bloom and the performance here was by guitarist Catalin Coltai and soprano Elizabeth Hilliard. What a marvelous performance that was. As part of this great project, Ulysses Journey, put on by the Contemporary Music Center to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the publication of James Joyce's Ulysses. And so much really interesting music came out of that uh, project. I want to thank the CMC and especially Linda O'Shea Farron for taking the time to talk with me and uh, well getting me this wonderful audio and these fantastic films. You can find out more by googling the Contemporary Music Center of Ireland. Again the project is called Ulysses Journey. I'm going to play one more piece. We have a little bit of time here. This is another guitar piece performed by Katalin Kultai from the initial concert that started the whole Project, and it's by Hungarian composer Petra Sasi. The piece is called simply Oak. Relevant Tones is a production of Access Contemporary Music, a nonprofit organization with the mission of bringing musical creativity to life every day. Find out more at acmusic.org. For Relevant Tones, I'm Seth Bosted. Thanks so much for listening.